Okay, before we kick off today's episode, I have a cheeky favor to ask any creative who might be listening. If you love big ideas and would like to come to Sydney to work for the world's most awarded audio specialist agency, please drop me a line at ralph at eardrum.com. We're expanding and we'd love to hear from you. Now, on with Don't Judge Me. Hello. Hi, Ralph. <laughs> Hello, Laura. How are you? Very good. Very good. Meet Laura Gregory, CEO and founder of Great Guns, the global production hub. They have offices in London, LA, Singapore. Look, they're everywhere, and so is their work. Whenever I've spoken to Laura, I get a real sense of how determined she is to seek out and champion the best new talent and manage their expectations. I think the worst part is telling new talent that they didn't get a job. I spoke to Laura about her life, her challenges running a global operation, and what she'd do if she was starting out today. I'd be producing games, shoot 'em ups, anything. I mean, I just, I just think the gaming industry is really fascinating. So here's my chat with Laura Gregory. Where does my call find you today?、Uh, it finds me in London at the moment, believe it or not. Just come back from LA on a on a shoot at Warner Brothers on the lagoon, which we flooded. And you may have seen me on my Instagram, all mosquito proofed up. I have to say, I got、yes. one bite, so that was it. So I'm very,、well、I'm very pleased with my new look, all courtesy of Buff. Which what's those the, mos- the mosquito?、Um, You know the shroud things you put over your face—they're genius. Well, I think it, sod's law, it'll, that one bite will be in the middle of your forehead. Of course, no, 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 it wasn't actually. It was on my arm, and I'm really,、right. I'm really highly allergic to them. So it was great、All、to、right. find, and no deet. I was covered. I had to wear waders anyway, so I was wading in in the water. We were working with the、uh, Game of Thrones director, David Nutter. It was really good fun. What? Yeah. Well, you've answered about eight eight of my questions in the first sentence, so <laughs> it's good. Well, you just call me because I'm off to I'm off to Poland tomorrow to shoot with the Tomb Raider director Raw Utag, who also did the Wave. That's very exciting. He's great. Really great. Well, let's let's kick off. Let's start by giving me your name, your rank, and your serial number. Your serial number being your age, and your rank being your position, your role. <laughs> Okay, so my my name is Laura Gregory. I am the CEO and founder of Great Guns. My age is young, young. <laughs> so you, you, I'm a Londoner. I'm a Londoner. You're ageless if you're a Londoner. I'm ageless, timeless, and I'm a Londoner. And I love what I do. And that's all that matters, I think. Exactly right. You've already given me a little bit of an insight, but I want you to try and explain what your typical day looks like, if there is such a thing. Okay. Okay. Typical day. So, I get up around five thirty, and I usually spin、oh. or do a hit class, high intensity interval training class, at six a.m. or six thirty. I then I'm home by seven forty-five. And I do very precise. Very precise. Why?、Well, yeah, because the class is only an hour, so I know when I get home, and it's very near. And then I do all my early morning emails, which are usually wrapping up anything out of the states that might have come in overnight, and obviously all the Asia stuff in the morning. So I cook my breakfast and、uh, sit down and do my emails, a cup of coffee, and then shower and steam into the office. So. Here I am. 
to tackle floods and chefs and and things like that. And a big wedding we're holding at Great Gun Social tomorrow. Okay, and what about clock off? Clock off, I usually leave the office around eight. And then I have dinner, which I cook at home with my husband. Um, and then I make a few calls. I'll probably get to bed about midnight. Try and get into bed at half past 11. Okay, that's a big day. It's a big day. Yeah, a big typical day. But as you said, you enjoy it, so it yeah, it's pretty typical. Mm. You know, they don't send me out on many shoots unless um, unless there's a flood or mosquitoes. Yeah, unless it's something I'm really, really excited about, and they need an extra pair of hands, they might get me out. You know, I sort of mastermind what we do all over the world, and you know, I do all the press and do a lot of work in post, and and so I tend not to. We've got about. Uh, nine full-time producers, so they're always on the road. They have certain places they like, so one might like London and India, one might love LA and London, one might love Japan and London or Japan and Prague. We sort of give them territories to cover. That keeps them really really happy, and that's why they stay with us for so long. All my producers have been with me for about 10 years, so they're great. I was going to say, it's clearly working. Yeah, it is working. It's really good fun. You know, we, we... we have a no asshole policy at Great Guns. <laughs> it's lovely. You know, our directors are amazing. The producers are really dedicated and passionate. And, and we do have fun. I think opening the pub was, was interesting in London. You know, we found, we found a pub and we'd always done our pop-up restaurants in Cannes with this celebrity London chef. So she's my partner and she curates young chefs. So we bring in young chefs to play in the kitchen before they get their first restaurant. So it's a bit like us bringing up young talent, which is, I think, why Great Guns has been around for a long time because we, we believe in young talent and supporting them and investing in them and building their and managing their careers. I had no idea about that extracurricular activity that you're involved in? Well, we had to move uh, from Camden and I thought, where are we going to go? And SE1 has become like Media City. So we, we bought a pub which is right near the Tate Modern. Perfect. I've spoken to a few other people in this podcast series and typically they are ECDs or creative agency leaders. You're giving us a different perspective, which is brilliant because you're coming from a craft and executional perspective and so the questions are slightly adapted for your world but I still think there's an awful lot that's very relevant and I'd like to start with asking what would probably be the the worst part of your job? (laughs) (laughs) I think the worst part is telling new talent that they didn't get a job. Mm. It takes a long time. When you sign somebody, you always say to them, you're not going to see anything for six months unless we get really lucky, even if they're brilliant. Because it takes takes a while for you to get round to your, your best friends and your clients and people that trust you and say, I've got this great new director. Yeah. So that then turns into three months later, a script may arrive and then you see the other three people bidding are A list directors and your director's a bit of a wild card, which is fine. And that's how we start. But the disappointment when they've done an amazing treatment, and, and sometimes when you're doing the treatment, you know, you know that perhaps one of the directors has worked with that client before or that agency many times before. So you're going to have to do something exceptional to break through. Um, So that's the hardest part. 
What do you look for in an up-and-coming director? Something that's just exceptional about them. It doesn't matter if it's one film or a couple of films or, or you know, you see, you see a piece of work. A lot of people approach us now, and we've always, we've always scouted for interesting talent, you know, just by looking at all of the... You know, um, Sheridan Thomas, our global head of production... Um, yeah. lectures at the National Film School in London and um, the NFTS uh, at a programme that um, Blink and, and Great Guns and DNAD helped set up for the NFTS yeah. which is directors, first time directors to commercial directing and they've never done that before so he, he's a big right. lecturer there um, so we, we get to see a lot of new talent because people know that we're interested in new talent and you know it's really hard sometimes almost thankless you know and sometimes heartbreaking when you see new talent and just there's no place to get them through you know business is tougher a lot of the lower budget stuff that we used to use to get young talent off the ground has now been sucked into the in-house agency model which makes sense for in-house agencies Um, and sadly it's a place that we would have normally got young talent off the ground so yeah. we have to look to other avenues, like which is why we started doing music videos about five years ago. That's often a way to to help young talent start telling stories in a period of time and and do exceptional things creatively that get noticed. What makes what makes someone exceptional is the piece of work that they've done. Then you look at the and this is a piece of advice I always give to young directors: curate your your social presence. Whatever is out there is what I'm going to look at when I've seen that first piece of work. And some of their sites are just slam full of crap. And you you just say to them, you know what, you've got to, why have you got all that stuff on there? Is it to prove that you've done 10 things when actually three great things would suffice? So, you know, often one of the first things we do is help them curate their own personal uh, social presence. And, um, you know, help them be exceptional and, and choose and, and believe in the best things that they've done and that that is enough to show that they're talented, especially with support of a great production company. You know, all, yeah. the, all the companies that sign, you know, new talent, they're signing them for a reason. So, you know, there's so much trust already by just making that move or being accepted to join one of those companies. And when you're looking at a new director, are you looking for a, a range or versatility or, or are you looking for a defined style? You want, you know, you say, okay, that, that person's got a real strength in this particular area. That's more of interest to us than, you know, a jack of all trades as opposed to a master of one. Yeah, rarely look for a jack of all trades. I, I, we don't have any here. You know, most of our directors um, have, a, have a unique style. And, and actually don't cross over each other. You know, some companies that everyone does comedy. Um, we've, we've signed a couple of comedy guys, but their comedy is very quirky and individual and their music videos are really amazing. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's different, different fits, there's different types of places. You know, you might go to a certain company just for comedy and, you know, there'd be 10 really amazing comedy directors. Um, sometimes they could almost overlap, but um, with with great guns, I think we like to think of ourselves as being a little eclectic. Which in the yeah. early days, people would say to us, you know, it's a bit of a problem. We don't really know what you are, and you know, we could go to that company, and we know that they do that. But with great guns, yeah. we're not really sure. 
And, and maybe that's why we've stayed around for so long, because we're constantly changing and, up and yeah. changing the talent that we have. You've been involved in such a wide variety of work, from non-advertising to the first crossover work with guests, and some of the um, projects you've worked on and been involved in and to, to varying degrees. What, what to you is your proudest piece of work? What's the work that you look back and go, yeah, that was pivotal for our business or me personally? Oh, you know, it was probably guess. <clears throat> Even though it was 20 years ago, you know, that piece of work was the first time that John Hegarty really said to me, that's a great piece of work you've done, Laura. That moment of arrival, you think, oh, okay, that's good. But it, it, it just, it was groundbreaking at the time, even the way that they bought the media, because there was a hurricane, so they bought all these weird slots when everybody was locked in New York in their bedrooms, not allowed to go out. And then they bought the, they bought us two minute, they bought the two-minute slot in the Grammys, which nobody had done before. You know, so it was long before the sort of Super Bowl slots were so huge. So I think, and getting stars to do, you know, a project like that, you know, Harry Dean, yeah. you know, he, he said to me afterwards, he said, oh God, it reignited my career, that piece of work. And when we got Juliette yeah. Lewis, I phoned him. Well, actually, I went down to, um, with Andy Morahan, the director, we went down to the Mint where he was, he was singing with his band. And we waited till like 2 a.m. when he came off stage and said, and look, we're doing this piece of work and it's like a mini movie. We want you to play this sleazy detective and Juliet Lewis is going to be the decoy girl. And he went, I always want to work with Juliet. I'll do it. And that was it. And then, and then, then Peter Horton came on board and then the wife, which we thought was amusing, was the porn star, Tracy Lords. So the wife that had been betrayed, we thought that was a nice little twist. Yeah. She was, and they were all fantastic. That little decision that you made to what seemingly small decision to go, well, okay, he's playing in a band. He'll come off stage at 2 a.m. We've got to be there to ask him directly as opposed to go through the layers of management and agents and go, no, no, I just want to speak to him and, and, and talk to him as a human. That decision made all the difference to the success of that piece of work. Without Harry, then you don't get a piece that has the presence and you don't have that, you know, that, you know, that, that look and that feel and that sort of weight of, um, you know, ability and, you know, just, he just, he acts beautifully in that piece. But just, you know, that your, your decision to be there and like we've done jobs where we've recorded Inmates, whilst they've still been in prison, just because I knew that their voice would just have a, an authenticity, and it's worked. But it takes someone to be brave and go. Look, we can execute this one way, or we can do it a harder way, which will have so much more um, authenticity if we just push a little bit harder. So, yeah, that determination to just go the extra mile—it's it's a great testament to uh, you know to, to your, I guess approach yeah I think you know I was so young then I just didn't have any you know there was no there was no word which of no you know you, you, nobody said no there was nothing you couldn't do you just did it and yeah. and you know when I we were working direct as so many fashion brands do working direct with the client and I said to them you know this is a mini movie can we go and get some movie stars he said go and do what you want Laura just have fun <laughs> oh god dream client you know, I had shot three other films for them, so there was, again, there was a big level of trust there. And trust. They'd all won awards. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, so, you know, we just went off, and we were shooting, he didn't even come on the shoot, and I phoned, and it was quite near their office downtown in L.A., and I said, you come for the shoot, Juliet and Harry Dean want to meet you, and he said, oh, Laura, I'm, I really can't, you know, he said, I'm so busy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I'll tell you what was yeah, funny yeah. about that, we had, um, we, we went and screened it in a big cinema on, um, right underneath the Soho house. And um, he sat there, and we put this beautiful shot of Juliet pulling on this pair of guest jeans with the logo on the back. And she pulls them on, and at the end, he, he looked, and she said, what was he shot of the jeans? And I went, well, you know, it's a bit of product for you. It's a good place to put it. Felt really natural. He said, oh, no, take it out. It spoils the film. <laughs> a smaller logo. Yeah, we have to celebrate brave clients. And I think that's one thing you do when you're judging, is that you... You look for bravery and ideas and bravery, you know, an agency that's pushed something through to, and a client that's been brave enough to believe in them and, you know, a great execution. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, that's a, a skill set in itself to be able to get, get, you know, garner the trust of the client uh, to the point where they um, are also going on the journey and going, this is right. And, and uh, the decision you're about to make and, you know, cutting the the bit that would equivalent, you know, the equivalent of the back, of the pack shot, to actually have a client that says, "No, we don't need that." Well, that's gold. Yeah, exactly. What about the work that? I mean, that 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 would be your proudest piece of work. What, what's the work that haunts you to this day? That you think, "Oh God, if anyone found out about that, or um, I really learned a lesson." <laughs> About you know, during the course of that piece of work, is there something that you that you can share that you think? Um, yeah, well, I'll be glad if no one else talks about this, but uh, apart from us in this podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> you know what? I have to come back to that one. We've only had one really unpleasant shoot, and that was because it was a really unpleasant team who I right. curse to this day, and I'm not going to tell you who they are. Oh. And that's it. Damn. You know, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was grim. It wasn't so much the piece of work, it was the experience of working with them. The work was great, and it was interesting. It was, yeah, and they were so unpleasant that they made everybody, you know, just, it was hateful. So it wasn't even, you know, you have difficult things. You know, we had a, a, a horse drop dead in the middle of a car shoot. We, we had loads of things happen that have been terrible. And things that have been sad, things that have been funny. But, yeah, that was grim. And that's the only one I can really remember. And it's, that is still, that's 15 years ago. And that still sits with me today. Yeah, well, that's... That's good. I mean, uh, I mean, that's great. You wanted to hear something really terrible, didn't you? I... Not really. No, I think again, it's a different perspective. Because do you know why? Because it, what it shows is that you you care about the process and the people. And if you can create a team environment that's all pulling toward the same thing, all motivated by the same thing, then that that's a great experience. Life's too short to work with dickheads and douchebags and, and you know your best your, your agency friends when 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 the shit hits the fan and you're one big team you really solve those problems yeah you can't work against each other and you can't hide from a problem you know i always say to my staff this you can make mistakes just fess up the second it happens then we can fix it quicker yeah Everyone makes mistakes. We make mistakes all day long. I make mistakes every single day. 
and that's just life. But those are the great things that you learn from. You know, I say every morning I wake up, I don't know what's going to be on my email. I don't know what problem, what job, what, and and I'm constantly learning every single day because there are things that I have not done before all the years that I've been doing this. Yeah, well, that's why we do it. Yeah, it is. That's why we're so lucky. Who can say that about their jobs? And what if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice for when you were first starting out? I'd be producing games. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd be doing. What sort of games? Any game. Shoot 'em ups anything. I mean, I just, I just think the gaming industry is really fascinating. Computer games are, you know, they're becoming... They're, they're, I don't know, they're just so ex- extraordinary now. You know, the, the, the finish and the work, it's, there's going to be a time where we don't need, you know, actors and stunt people anymore. You're just going to be able to do it all. You know, we're working on something at the moment that's just amazing. Yeah, I think I will say to people, go into gaming. It's great. All the animators and, and young filmmakers, especially if you love gaming. Yeah. But what about as a, you know, starting out as a producer, is there, is there a... Is there something that you've learned that, you know, you, you, or something that you impart into your junior producers when they first come on board? Is there is there something that you go, look, trust me, here's something that I'm going to impart? There's one thing that is over overwhelming now, and especially it's more, it's it's much more relevant now than it even was when I started. Go and meet people. Don't sit behind a computer. Network. You know, that's the biggest biggest thing. You know, I. People are constantly amazed when they speak to me and say, you know, we're trying to do this and that. And I go, oh, go and talk to so-and-so. Go and talk to so-and-so. They've just done this or they're doing that. Only because I, I love people so much, I'm always going to meet them. And it doesn't matter what walk of life they're in. I always say to young creatives or filmmakers when I'm talking to them, when you love someone, you love their work, go and meet them. Tell them. First of all, tell them. And then say, could I have a coffee with you? Could I come and talk to you about your work? And I said, nine times out of ten, they'll say yes. Yeah, exactly. And nobody does it because they're too afraid to email somebody who's, you know, they think is in a high place or is too busy to talk to them or wouldn't care to talk to them. Really talented people are often the most lonely souls because they're so elevated, they they become siloed. And there's a lot of hiding, you know, behind you. You know, on, on Facebook, I've got 10,000 friends. Oh, yeah? Well, you know, how many of them have you sat down and talk, yeah. talked to face-to-face and asked them what yeah. makes them tick and what are they afraid of? That's absolutely true. That's great advice. Coming back to sort of liaisons and, and London International, there's an environment where you can get to meet your heroes, the, the, the legends in the industry, and that's what I guess makes the experience of being one of the liaison delegates unique. What do you think makes winning a Lear valuable, and why should people enter that award show? There are so many award shows competing for a decreasing awards budget. Is there something that you feel sets Lear apart? I, I think it's always down to the quality of the jury that they put together. Mm. They bring faces into. You know that that intense four-day period. You know across two weeks. You know, you know they do it in two sections. 
and a group of judges that are just extraordinary. And they judge with so much passion and intensity and care that the best work just comes through time and time again. And on top of that, you know, the, 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 the idea of dumping the award show and putting that money into educating the next round of young creative talent and the speakers that they bring in, it just makes it an extraordinary show. Yeah. Yeah. When you're judging and when you're leading a jury, is there a criteria you use in the room? You're talking to the, the, the your fellow jurors, uh, and you go, "Okay, well, this is this is how I evaluate a Grand Prix from a gold to a silver to a, to a bronze." Is there a um, an analogy you use, or a um, you know, a, 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 like a a way of defining your criteria? Yeah, it's really simple. You know, the Grand Prix needs to be something that's unanimous and just exceptional. Mm. And, you know, we always say that the craft of those pieces is irrelevant when you look at it as a whole. You're not looking at the cinematography, the direction, the editing, the music. You're just looking at that finished piece of whatever it is that you're judging and saying, you know, the idea, the, the, the execution... The craft, everything about it is so seamless you don't notice it anymore. Yeah. And that's where you get to your Grand Prix, your, your Grand Lear, you know, that's where you get there. As the, You know, the gold, again, is something that's truly exceptional. The silver is something that you can't ignore. Um, a bronze, you know, again, you know, any of the metals is something that, that there's, there's a part of it that's truly exceptional. But the Grand Leo is has to be majestic and has to be unanimous and and almost spine tingling when you see it and that that yeah, yeah that, that piece of work that's gonna live on forever. There's a phrase I use which is vote with your neck. You know, that little <laughs> those that little feeling you get in the back of your neck that just goes, Oh my god. It's it, it's a combination of rage because you didn't think of it. Exactly. And um, admiration. I, lo- I always email people when I see work that I would love to have done. Yeah, yeah. You just have to, you know, you have to. Yeah. Great work means we all have a future. That's right, yeah. That moves it all, it moves the game on, yeah. And having judged in so many shows, is there a memorable or bizarre experience that you can recount that stays with you? Only one on one show... A South American judge, director, stood up and told us all we had to give the film from his country a gold because it was such a hard film to pull off. And it wasn't, it wasn't really that good. I'll tell you what, yes. is, I'll tell you what is amazing, is when you, when you have the discussions, and, and on the, the LIAs, they often bring in the young creatives to hear the final discussions when we're looking at metal. Um, But what's wonderful when you've been with a jury for a few days and somebody has a point of view that they want to express that completely changes the way you thought about that film and you look at it again. That's really interesting when when something is brought to our attention and, you know, and often we do a bit of research, we'll see something and 
you know, we want to know a bit more about it, if it's that fascinating. Um, and we find out all sorts of things about it. It's very difficult when you're entering awards sometimes to describe or put really important pieces. I say that's a piece of advice for people entering their work is, you know, you need to include as much background on on the project as possible. Why? Yeah, why nuances. Yeah, cultural nuances, why it was successful, where it, where it shone in other areas and things like that. But sometimes, you know, if we like something a lot, we go and investigate deeply into what it's done. Um, but that's a great process is, is when your mind's turned and you've, you've, you've given something a thought, especially something culturally you've never seen before, like from the Middle East or from India or from places that you're not, you know, you just don't understand so well. Yeah. And that's partly the responsibility of a jury is to, is to get into, you know, get your fingers into the cracks, into all those things and, and ask questions. And, you know, the team at... LIA are amazing when we ask questions about backgrounds of, of campaigns and things. Yeah, there's a real desire to um, to give every piece of work the benefit of the doubt, and I think the the more you judge, the the the, the greater your ability to well the determination to to understand something, you know, rather than dismiss it because you don't understand it, you know. It's, it's easy to hear something or see something and you go, I, I don't get it, out. Or, you know, three, <laughs> whatever the equivalent is. And But to go, well, wait, the, 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 there's something in this that I, and I'm not getting it. We have to, we owe it to them to, uh, to discuss it and find out more about it. And I think that's, you know, the, the, the more you judge, the better you are at spotting those um, curious you know, uh, little pieces, and uh, and often they can they can be elevated, but it does take someone to go. Well, wait a minute. Let's 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 not let's not uh, dismiss it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the great thing about it is, you know, I judge some things online, which I give a lot of time to. You know, I spend a weekend sometimes going through all that work, but. It's not the same process as when you're in a room. Mm. You know, I can do a little bit of research if I spot something I think is great and I'll, I'll, I'll dig around a bit and find out about it. But losing that face-to-face discussion, and there are, there are fewer and fewer awards that actually invest in bringing jurors together into a, a space. And taking people to Vegas is just, I mean, you know, you can't pop out and meet friends down the road. You're just there. It's just a... It's a you know, it's a boiler room environment. You're just in that process for the few days that you're there. And there is no getting away from it apart from putting some money into the slots, you know? No. So, no, you're right. Yeah, that, that isolation does really focus you because it's, it's uh, everyone's equal. No one's on their home turf. Really, no one is... No one lives in Vegas. <laughs> Except one of my directors. I've just signed this I've signed this incredible woman called Cassandra Brooksbank. Cassie's actually gonna be at the LIAs this year because we're doing oh, great. we're doing Stories in Six, which is a workshop. Okay. Storytelling in six seconds. Well I'll be introducing you both. Oh fantastic. So she is a native uh, Vegas lady and um, of course knows everything about the place. Oh, that'll be great. I look forward to that. But what's great about the juries is, you, you know, you, you spend the day together and then afterwards you go for a drink 
and everyone's still talking about the work. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I heard about this, you know, what's going on over there? How did they, you know, it's fascinating. So you really are immersed in it for those few days. And it's, it's, it's enriching for the jury to yeah. listen to all that and, and see all that work. It's so important. Mm. No, absolutely. It really does top you up for the year you know, just to be exposed to that work and, and the people and the conversations. I mean, the, the fact that you're encouraged to have those conversations uh, and uh, the opportunity to elevate something or, you know, drop something. But just, to, yeah, I mean, we, we learn so much in, in that experience. It's, uh, we certainly get something out of it. Yeah, even moving something to another category, you know, if, yeah. if it's been entered in, you know, just sometimes somebody hasn't got the money to enter it in two categories and they might pick the wrong category and you sit there and go you know in sound design that would that's the best thing that we've seen and then yeah. you know you go back to the entrant and, and ask them if they'd be willing to change it so yeah it's it's it, it's a show that just tries to find the best okay laura i've got a few more questions the first one is do you keep a portfolio? I guess your reel is the company's reel. Yes, I think that's probably true. My work is the company. If your niece, nephew wanted to get into advertising, what would you say to them or to production in, in your world or directing? Um, funnily enough, my niece does want to. So she's just going to Camberwell to do photography and art. Okay. And um, in her holidays, she comes in here and works with our editors. Wow. Okay, well, that's actively encouraging. She's incredibly talented, but um, my daughter didn't want to go into this. No? No, no interest at all. Okay. (laughs) That's funny how that happens. You know, she's travelled with me all over the world on TV shows and movies and commercials, and she did a bit of work with a celebrity talent agent. But she went back to uni to do... Neuroscience and mental health at King's. She's doing oh her, she's doing her masters at the moment, which she's loving. A proper job. Yeah, so she's the, she's the smart one in the family, the geek. <laughs> okay, few more. How many people have you had to fire or let go in terms? Of, I guess in in the roster, I suppose is, is more relevant to your world. But zero to ten, ten to twenty. Oh, twenty to fifty. Right. <laughs> okay. It's a big part of your job. <laughs> I even fired a, I fired a director on a movie. Right. <laughs> right. You get double po- you get double points for them. <laughs> Have you had to step on or over someone to get to where you are today? No. No, you never have to do that. Mm. Okay. What about your involvement in creative treatment? How involved do you get or have you been involved in you know more recently in in um, a treatment for a piece of work we're always creatively involved in every treatment that any director puts out whether it's david natter game of thrones or a brand new director who's just arrived with one film on their reel yeah okay um a little more personal what's the most expensive thing you own that's not your home and then what's it worth oh probably a painting yeah, probably a painting my husband gave me. I can't, yeah. I can't say Who that. Who um, Peter Howson. That gives us a good idea of the value too. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you earn? Oh, not enough. Good answer. And finally, when do you plan to retire <laughs> and make room for one of the up-and-coming liaison budding producer that's going to be 
producer that's going to be in the room in Vegas? I'm going to die in my booth. <laughs> All of my, you know, my team, my succession planning is um, already active. You know, my team globally are just exceptional. So yeah. even if I got knocked over tomorrow, as my daughter knows, I told her I've had the best life ever. I said, if anything happens to me, you just need to know now, I wouldn't have changed anything for the world. But I have no intention of retiring. I'll probably do things in a slightly different way. I might be, you know, I might be staying in one place a little more in the future and things like that. But there's no, there's no um, chance of that at the moment. Things are just too exciting. You know, it's, it, the business has never been more exciting than it is now. There are so many opportunities from, you know, traditional sources, um, music videos, new sources, you know, content. You know, we're working on a movie at the moment, horror film. There's all sorts of... It, it's just... It's never been as interesting as it is now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Laura, this is fantastic. I didn't really know you before we started this conversation, but I really feel like I've got below the surface and I really appreciate your time. It's been so fascinating talking to you. Pleasure. And um, it's annoying that I haven't spoken to you in the previous years that I've seen you, you know, as we've <laughs> wandered past each other in the queue in the buffet at London International, but I'll be seeking you out. And um, thank you again for your time. Great. Well, I'll see, you, you, I'll see you in Vegas. Time. Yeah. Much appreciated. Thanks, Laura. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, Ralph. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this little snapshot of Laura's world. If you did, please share it around and maybe even leave us a review if you have a few seconds to spare. Next time on Don't Judge Me. I had to make a choice. Was I going to continue and go to Perth and earn $30 a week as part of the very first America's Cup team for New Zealand or was I going to continue the summer job I had in an advertising agency and... Well, it's pretty clear which which path I chose. <laughs> Malcolm Poynton, Global Chief Creative Officer at Chael Worldwide. Don't Judge Me is an eardrum production for the London International Awards with help from Jesse Williams, Kate Wiley, Tristan Viney, Paul Taylor and David MacDonald. 